So let's get our notes out. Let's jump right into our conversation today. And I got one more group of people that I need you to shout out that's with us today. Would you give it up for everybody watching for Local City Church online? Give them a shout so they can hear you. So glad that you're with us. Hey, if you're at home because of health, we're praying for you and we're praying that God would meet you right where you're at. But if you're staying home out of habit, next Sunday's Easter. So come on back because we're saving a seat for you and it's gonna be a great day. The title of our message is this, Closer Than You Think. Closer Than You Think. It's ultimately my biggest desire for you to realize today is that God is close and he's closer than even it may feel or even than you think today. Maybe you find yourself in church for the first time in a long time because you saw a Facebook ad or someone invited you. But I believe that God had a plan for you to be in that chair today, to let you know that he's close. He hasn't forgotten about you. It may seem like he's a thousand steps away, but I promise you today what we're gonna talk about is he's just one step away. He's right there with us in the difficulties and the, the discouragement the hard times of our life, God is right there. Again, it's what we celebrate during this Easter season. And actually, one of, one of the things we're doing really special this Easter week is, is Friday night, we're having a Good Friday service right here at the high school. And we're taking time to take communion together. Communion is remembering the body of Jesus that was broken and the blood that he shed for you and I so that we could find forgiveness in him and, and understand the punishment that he paid for you and I. And we're also gonna take time to have a candlelight moment as well to remember that he didn't stay dead. He walked out of that grave alive. And the light of Jesus overshadows the darkness and the light of Jesus is more powerful than anything that we may be going through. That's why it's a good Friday. We'd love to have you. In Psalm chapter 145, verse 18, here's what it says. It says, the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. Would you say it with me? The Lord is, say close, the Lord is close to all who call on him. I would encourage you today, if you call on Jesus today, he's there in an instant. He's close, he's with you. And when we talk about this idea of in Tampa as it is in heaven, I know it can maybe cause some anxiety or stress in us or some questions that we may be dealing with. And here's why, if you wanna write this down, it's because God has set eternity in the heart of every one of us. The idea that we really do believe and understand this is not all that there is. Life is too meaningful. Life is too, too rich of, of blessing and significance and meaning in our relationships and what we do and even what we see in creation for this to be it. God had a purpose and it was an eternal purpose. And our soul and our spirit and our mind, we wrestle with those things because God has set eternity in the hearts of every one of us but he's also given us a promise as we walk through this life, and that's that God loves to help us know him and know his presence is with us. See, knowing God is not just an answer to a test. Knowing God is not just some knowledge surface level thing. I can know a lot of things about my wife, Adrienne, her favorite coffee order, sweetened iced latte with simple syrup. I can know that about her. I can know her birthday. She says, come on, she agrees, right? I can know her birthday. I can know her favorite dinner. I can, I can know all these things, but it doesn't mean that I have a strong marriage or relationship with her. Because when God is talking about no, he's talking about a deep level of transparency and intimacy with him. To know that it's not about just knowing God loves you or maybe you grew up in church and you know all the stories. 
about saying, God, here's my life. Here's everything I'm dealing with. Here's where I have questions about you right now. Here's where I'm thankful for that you're in my life right now. I just wanna know you deeper, I wanna know you more. And God is not a God who stands at a distance. Palm Sunday is proof as Jesus enters into the city. It's proof that God wants to want you to know his presence is with you. Think about famous people or rich people that have a bodyguard, right? It's one thing to assign the bodyguard and employ them, but if they don't have their presence with the person they're protecting, it doesn't mean anything. Now I want you to know today that more than a bodyguard, God is your heavenly father and Jesus is your closest friend. And he is always going to be present when you need him. He's always going to be present in the middle of the storm. He has not forgotten about you. He is not letting you go. He is there with you right now, holding on to your life, saying, hey, I'm with you. I wanna be there for you. Just trust me, I am who I say I am. I got promises for you. I got miracles I wanna do in your life. I'm closer than you think. Come on, if you've seen that in your life, let's give thanks to Jesus today. And right before I pray and we jump into the heart of this message, I wanna give you a verse from the book of Acts. Acts is written by the disciple Luke, or not the disciple, but the follower of Jesus named Luke. And he writes this in chapter 17, verse 27. It says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. See, if you know anything about the book of Acts, it's written to a guy by the name of Theophilus. And it's an interesting name because that name can mean two things. One who is seeking God, or one who is following God but has questions about God. It's amazing how names can mean so much. And why Luke is writing the book of Acts to Theophilus is he's telling him, hey, Theo, or whatever he called him, T-Dog, I don't know, whatever, saying, hey, this is what God's doing on the earth right now. This is what's happening in his church. And why is he doing this? So that you could seek him and reach out and not reach out for emptiness or darkness, but you would reach out and find him. And I love kind of the duality of this last statement, but he's not far away. Yeah, you'll reach out, but you don't really need to reach at all because he's right there as close as you could possibly imagine or think. That's what we wanna encourage you with today. Would you pray with me as we step into the message conversation and have some just openness with God today. God, I'm so thankful for everyone here. God, I'm so thankful for today, Palm Sunday, recognizing the day when Jesus stepped into the city, stepped into our lives. And God, I pray for all of our kids today as we have a great day with our egg hunt and have a great day as a church family. But I pray right now as they learn about Jesus and as they learn about God, you would speak to them even at this young age about how they're sons and daughters of yours. How about you love them and care for them, be with our kids team today as well. And God, I pray that we would do two things as we talk. We would listen, we'd lean in. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, we all say, come on, let's say amen. And let's jump into the message today. As, um, as Adrian, thanks, Jonathan. That sounded really nice. But give it up for Jonathan, everybody, playing the drums and piano today over there. God's protected Jonathan this week. Got in a car accident this week. Airbags went off, but blessings of God protected him and cared for him. And he's here blessing us with worship today. One more time, give it up for Jonathan today, everybody. I'm just so thankful. For that again, God answers prayer even again before that, we need it. As Adrian said, we have a four-year-old son named Shepard, and man, he's just the greatest gift to us. 
I don't actually think I've said this from stage yet. We have one son who's just turned four. We have another little baby on the way who's due in September. Yeah, hey. Just doing our part to invite people and grow the church. Uh, just doing our part. That's, that one's an easy one to do. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, what we're learning about him is that he teaches us so much about God at a young age. I think the heart of a child is actually why Jesus says, let the little children come. Why we do things like today is because we want kids to know they have a place in church. That they're not just being cared for in childcare next door. No, they're, being, they're having church themselves. They're worshiping God and they're experiencing Jesus. And as a father, to hear these stories where Adrian tells me about Shepherd asking about, you know, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Or, or when Shepherd prays, as we've talked about his powerful prayers, praying for it to not rain on his birthday and it didn't rain. It's amazing to see the beauty of God in that relationship. And, and as a heavenly father, the one thing I want to do for my son is simply be close to him. I mean, I'm not a heavenly father, I'm an earthly father. As an earthly father, the one thing I wanna do for my son is be close to him. Not only in the good times, but especially in the difficult times. You see, back in October, November time, Shepard got really sick. And he was coughing a lot, and he wasn't feeling good. He had a really high temperature, and Adrienne, just being the caring mom that she is, said, hey, we probably need to take him to the emergency room. And I don't like hospitals, I don't like emergency rooms, just because some stories from my past that you've heard about but I said, okay, let's go. And so we took Shepard in and right away something happened that I was like, nope, don't like that. Adrian and Shepard had to go into the hospital alone and I had to stay outside in the car. I wasn't even allowed in the waiting room because of COVID protocols and things like that. They had to take him up to the emergency room, run some tests on him and Adrian to make sure they didn't have COVID. And then it was about an hour and a half while I was sitting out in the car just like stressing, like what is going on? That, they, that Adrian finally texted me and said, hey, you can come upstairs. And again, I just wanted to be so close to my son during that time. I knew that maybe he was afraid. I knew that maybe he was scared. I, I knew that Adrian was gonna care for them, but as a father, I simply wanted to be at his bedside, just to be close to him. I didn't have the answers. I couldn't tell him, hey, buddy, here's, hey, this is the rotavirus that, you're, that you have. I'm not gonna tell him that. It's just gonna scare him, use big words that he doesn't understand. But I knew as a heavenly father, if I could just be by his bedside, play some games with him on his little iPad, that he would begin to turn his focus away from the things that were connected to him, taking tests, and as they were monitoring, if I could just get his attention on me, he would realize, oh, everything's gonna be okay. Daddy's here, he's close, he's in the room. And that's the burden on my heart, again, as an earthly father. And when I think about the burden on my heavenly father's heart, that when I'm in the difficult situations, the difficult rooms of life, and my focus is on things that are going on or, or the difficulties that I'm facing or the problems or questions that I have or just the pain that I'm going through, he simply, wants me to, he simply wants to step into the room of my life and get my focus and attention on him. To know that he's holding me. To know that he's there for me. To know that he's having fun with me and laughing with me. And see, what happened with Shepard is he began to realize that, oh, I'm just here with mommy and daddy. There's nothing better than that. And what's gonna, I'm gonna get taken care of and things are gonna happen, I'm gonna get better. 
And I want you to know today, local city church, that God wants you to know that, hey, he's with you. And things are gonna get better. He's gonna walk you through these things. But the biggest gift today that we can tell you is that God is closer than you think. He's bigger than your problems. He's bigger than your storms. He's bigger than your situation. And Palm Sunday and Easter is the celebration that God does not stand at a distance and say, hey, figure it out for yourself. He stepped into humanity in his son Jesus to say that I'm here, I'm close, I'm with you, I'm not gonna go away. I just want you to know that I can help you and I can be there for you. I can pay the price you couldn't pay. I can keep you going when you feel like giving up. I can remind you over and over again that the cross has the final word. That what Jesus did on the cross is powerful. And I want to talk to you about this story from the book of Luke. Luke wrote Acts. He also wrote the book of Luke, a little less creative, coming up with the name of that gospel. But he writes this book and he characterizes this story that happens at the very end of Jesus' life. If you don't know what Palm Sunday is, it's the kind of celebration of when Jesus stepped in to his final days on earth. It's Palm Sunday where they laid, you know, palms down at his feet and said, Hosanna in the highest. But in a few days, they would be crying, crucify him, crucify him. That's what we pick up the story in Luke chapter 23. I don't really like using the word story because it's actual history. This really happened. This isn't like some fantasy that someone created. This is what God did, just to let you know. And in Luke 23, here's what it says. When they came to a place called the skull, this is Calvary, they nailed him, meaning Jesus, to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Pay attention to what Jesus says right here. Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Can you stop there with me for a second? Jesus has been nailed to a cross. He has been whipped and beaten beyond recognition, the Bible tells us. And in this moment, he didn't deserve it. He was innocent. He was the son of God. And in this moment, look at the character and posture and words of Jesus. The first thing he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. This statement reminds me that the love of Jesus never fails, that the love of Jesus is always moving and living and breathing in our life. It's not about me figuring out to gain enough strength to continue on. It's about understanding that, man, even when I'm at my worst, Jesus' love never fails. And the picture he's painting for you and I is that God, first and foremost, is our Father. Father, forgive your kids, for they don't know what they're doing. As a father, I have to realize that all the time. Shepard's going through a little phase where some of the things he says to me are not the nicest thing. It is, it's just what happens. We get it. But Adrian always reminds me, hey, he doesn't really know what he's saying. And as I'm wiping tears from my eyes, I say, I know, I know. <laughs> but it's what sometimes we, not sometimes, a lot of the times we do that to God. And Jesus is standing there even today, the right hand of God saying, Father, continue to forgive them when they ask for it. Continue to be there for them. Help them know that, help them, just help them see, yes, they need to make some new decisions and choices in their life, but God, they also don't know what they're doing. Would you forgive them? Would you lead with love and grace? Would you lead with mercy and forgiveness? And then, of course, God brings the truth into our life. But let's keep going. It says this, and the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. And the crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. 
they called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And a sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. Now let me give you some understanding of what's going on here. First thing is, the soldiers are gambling for Jesus' clothes, for all of his belongings, which encourages me today. And not really encourages me, but it makes me, makes me so grateful to realize that Jesus let go of everything. That Jesus gave up it all for me and for you. That there was not one thing that Jesus had when he was nailed to that cross. He let go of it all so that he could be the picture of just how far God is willing to go to give his life for you and for me. Now, this is not a doom and gloom message of look how horrific this is, but it is a time to really lean into this and be understanding of the truth that is happening. People begin to mock Jesus and say, look at this guy. We've seen him raise the dead. We've seen him perform miracles. Why can't he save himself right now? I don't know about you, but I don't like when people throw shade. I'm just not a fan, especially when it's directed this direction. I'm not a big fan. Yes, Taru, that's right. Not a big fan of that. It actually causes me to rise up a little bit, to let some of that anger come out that God has helped me with now post-BC, you know, after Jesus. I remember there was one time I played soccer growing up. There was one time where, you know, I was just having a good game, scoring some goals. We were killing this team. It was awesome. Love that. Um, and one of the defenders, he was just getting frustrated, the guy that was kind of playing, playing me during the game. And uh, there was one dirty play where he just came sliding in and knocked me down. And... Uh, as I was lying there, it definitely hurt. Got a little bit of the cleat on my leg and all the above. And, and I was laying down there for a second because I, I was hurt and I didn't want to get up right away. And he said, yeah, stay down. Woo! You better believe I was up in a split second and ready to score some more goals on that guy. And we were like 10 years old, but still, okay? I was ready to take him down because I don't like that. Now, if I'm Jesus and people are saying, yeah, stay up there, you can't save yourself. I'd be like, oh, yeah? Watch this. But the fact that Jesus didn't do that proves that he is God. The fact that Jesus stayed up there humbly for you and I tells me that he is the God that is worthy of devotion, that worthy of everything. See, it's not the physical nails that kept Jesus up on the cross. It was his supernatural love for you and for me that kept him up there realizing this is the picture that we have to display. This is what I have to go through to show God's people what he's willing to do. Come on, that's, a little, that's worthy of a little bit more praise than what we're giving it today. It's real and true. And this is where we're really going to lean in today. One of the criminals in the middle of the scripture says this. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God? Even when you've been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. I want to give you four quick things that this thief on the cross proves to you and me about the love of Jesus, about the depiction of what God is willing, of what Jesus was willing to do. I need you to understand that Jesus was not killed. Jesus was not powerless here. Still had all his power. Still was the son of God. In John 10, 18, Jesus says, I lay my life down willingly. The person in control of this whole situation is Jesus. Don't be confused about that. I mean, God, God said, Jesus, you gotta lay down your life for, for this to happen. 
And Jesus did it willingly for you and me. No one killed him. He laid down his life in a humble fashion to show us the love of God. But in this instant, there's some things that happen that I think are really important to lean into. And there's, I believe, four things we can pull out of this conversation that Jesus has with the thief. The first one I want you to write down is this, is that this thief in this moment who asked Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, is the thief proves to us that good works are not required for salvation. See, salvation is what happens when we give Jesus our life. We are literally saved, saved from our sin, saved from eternity separated from God. We are now in relationship with him. We are forgiven and set free. The guy says, hey, I've sinned. But it's not about good works because the thief up until this moment, all bad works in his life. That's why he's being crucified right here in this moment. All bad stuff. This is like the first picture we get of honestly a deathbed reconciliation with God. And God cares about those, all right? God can forgive anyone at any time. And the thief says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Realizing that he didn't have to hop off that cross and go to church. Didn't have to hop off, hop off that cross and read his Bible. Didn't have to hop off that cross and go give in the offering or go feed the homeless or do all this stuff. Those are all good works, but that is not what brings salvation into our life. What brings salvation into our life is having a moment with Jesus and saying, hey, I have sinned, I have messed up, and here's where it got me. But Jesus, I know that I can't do this anymore without you. Even in this moment, would you remember me when you step into your kingdom? Would you save me in this moment? Would you forgive me, please, in these last minutes of my life? And what does Jesus say? Friend, today you will be with me in paradise. Today I've heard your prayer. Today God is with you. Today Jesus is listening to what's going on in your life. And I promise you salvation can happen right now here in this room. And it's something we're constantly thankful for and we're constantly celebrating. The guy that wrote the message version of the Bible, Eugene Peterson, he has a quote that I love that this thief is kind of living out. We'll throw it up on the screen. It says this, one way to define spiritual life is getting so tired and fed up with yourself, <coughs> you go on to something better. And that better is following Jesus. You've been tired before? You've been fed up? Let go and start following Jesus and see what happens, just like this thief. I thought about it this way. A lot of times we look at God like he's examining our life. This is a toy, all right, so don't judge me. It's the cheapest microscope I could find on Amazon, all right? A lot of times we think God is looking at our life like this. Oh, you remember, you remember that lie you told to your parents way back when? I'm, st I'm, st I'm still thinking about that one. Oh, you remember that mean thing you said to your spouse your first year of marriage? Ooh, yeah, I'm still thinking about that thing. Remember that one time, oh, that you forgot to pray for your meal? That one time, oh, yeah, I'm still thinking. And we think that, God, oh, you missed church a couple weeks in a row. Oh, you haven't read your Bible in a while. Oh, you still, still listen to some of that explicit music on Spotify. We think that God is like this, like zooming in and out of every work of our life. Thinking like, okay, I gotta make sure I can, you know, I pass the test that, you know, God sees good stuff. Good works are not required for salvation. See, what God has done for us is he's given us this opportunity to set our sights on things above. And people are already laughing at me, but that's okay. See, we have these situations that are right in front of us in our life. Those difficult relationships, those even wrong things that we've done, and it seems like all that negative stuff lives right here. Right in front of my peripheral, right in front of my eyes, where I can't see anything. But in the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul challenges us to what? Set 
our sights on the things above. So even though everything earthly might be in front of me, I may be walking a difficult life, I can take this spiritual tool of this periscope, and even though these things are right in front of me, now I'm seeing with heavenly sight. And this looks funny, but I promise you spiritually, it's powerful. I'm seeing over everything that's in front of me. I'm seeing over all my past mistakes. I know that God is not looking at me with a microscope. He's giving me the potential to see the things of heaven in my life, to see the things above and realize, oh, it's not just what happens right here. It's about what's happening in the heavenly places. So I'm looking over the people, I'm looking over the problems, and I'm seeing what? What Jesus did for me on the cross and the fact that he's alive today for you and me. That's my little elementary school science lesson for you. Had no science at all, but a lot of spiritual stuff, which is good. Next thing is this, is the thief proves that salvation is instantaneous. What did Jesus say? Friend, today you'll be with me in paradise. Not a little bit from now or not, hey, it's too late, instantaneous. In a second, Jesus says, today I'm with you. In a second, just right there, it happened. Or like this, everybody snap for me. There you go. If you can't snap, sorry if I offended you, all right? I didn't mean to, but you know, just like that, instantaneously, salvation happened. Today you will be with me in paradise. What did did the thief say? Remember what he says. He looks at him and says, Jesus, when you step into the kingdom, your kingdom, he says, when, a distant time, and Jesus says, "Your, your honesty right now, your repentance right now, it's not when, it's today. It's going to happen right now in this moment. I want you to know, friends and family here at Local City Church, I don't know what you're going through in your life. I don't know where you're at with God. I don't know where your faith is at. Maybe you need to just say yes to him and trust him like this thief. Maybe it's about getting recommitted and delving deeper. Maybe it's about realizing, hey, I'm never satisfied in God. There's more and more for me to know and experience. I want you to know it can happen today. Simply saying, yes, Jesus. When you go and Jesus says, hey, it's going to happen today. Today you can start in a new direction. A pastor I listen to all the time, his name is Judah Smith. He says this about salvation. Salvation is less of a line that you cross and more of a new direction that you're headed. For me, I I had to realize that Salvation was not the line that I crossed when I was five years old and said, Jesus, come into my heart. I had to realize as a teenager that it's a direction I'm going. I'm having a relationship with God. I'm learning more and more about him every single day. See, now we need to realize today we can change directions. And, you know, tomorrow our life might not be completely different, but we're in a new direction. And a week from now and a month from now and a year from now, we get to our life like, how did I get here? Because you're following Jesus now. You've, tra- you've trusted him. And he says, hey, today I'm with you and I'm following with you and I'm going with you. You're not alone. I'm with you every single step of the way. It's instantaneous. It's a second. It can happen right now in this moment. I'm not saying every problem is gonna be solved, but I can promise you the person that can solve every problem is now with you and you're surrendered and trusting him. That's what Easter is all about, that God is not at a distance, that we can have a relationship with the heavenly Father God and our very best friend, Jesus. The next thing is that the thief proves that God loves lost people. The thief, the thief proves that God loves lost people. As the band begins to come out as we close, I want you to realize the power of this statement is that the thief says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's a good thought. Jesus, would you just put me on your mind? Would you just think about me when you step in to your kingdom? What you see in this prayer is that the thief realizes he's lost. Here's something to understand in that in other gospels, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
In Matthew and Mark, they actually describe the two thieves as criticizing and yelling at Jesus the whole time. But crucifixion, Jesus and these thieves up on the cross took hours. And I believe this thief came to a realization that maybe this guy is who he says he is. I believe God began to work on his heart, helped him realize that, hey, you're lost, but Jesus is doing this for you. You're getting what you deserve because, yes, you've done some stuff, but you're lost, and Jesus simply wants to help you be found. He says, remember me. What does Jesus say? Today you will be with me. I want you to know today, again, it's not about some head knowledge. It's not about God just thinking about you. It's that God wants to know you, and he wants to be with you today. I was thinking about this story that I heard um, from World War II about this thing called the Bailey Bridge. Picture of it up on the screen. This was an invention that this guy named Donald Bailey from Britain came up with during World War II. Because the problem was that England and the United States, they had the best tanks at that time. But tanks are not light. And what they found is when they were trying to push back the Nazis, they kept getting stuck at, at rivers and bodies of water that they couldn't cross. So they had the best, they had all this power, but they couldn't get it across the river, across the body of water to the battle that it needed to be in. So this guy, this actual, he actually specialized in miniatures and models. He came up with this concept called the Bailey Bridge and its secret was these squares in the middle that were turned sideways. They could take so much weight and they could, they could handle the load of these giant tanks driving across. And the great thing is, one of those little yellow pieces was a little six foot section that five to six soldiers could carry. Didn't even need any heavy equipment. And there they are right there, setting it up. And at the very end of it, it was turned up like this, so they could roll it all the way, even if they weren't on the other side, they could roll it all the way across the river, all the way across the body of water. Here's a picture of what that looked like. And they could use this to send the tanks to the other side. And I thought about this idea of, what is Jesus doing here? I mean, we're lost. We're over here, we're lost. And God is perfect. There's been this distance that's been separating us from God because God is perfect. He can't have anything to do with our sin. But he has all this power, all this love, all this forgiveness that he wants to give us. But he can't get it across. He needed a bridge. He, need someone to, he needed someone to step out into the fear, step out into the darkness and say, hey, I'll be the bridge. So that all the powerful love and forgiveness that you have can roll across the bridge and get to the battle where it's needed. Get to the people who need it most. Jesus was crucified, one thief on the left, one thief on the right, in the middle to show you and I that God has crossed the bridge to lost people, that God has found his kids, and that he loves you right now, even in the midst of feeling lost and feeling broken. God's love is on his way. God's forgiveness is on the way across the bridge of Jesus, and we simply have to stand there and receive it. Say, God, would you be with me today? Because I can't do this on my own anymore. the last thing I want to give you as we close in the band you guys can come out is that the thief proves that there is a place for you in heaven there's a place for you here in church every single Sunday Easter Sunday 52 Sundays a year there's a place for you here but it's to help you know that ultimately there's a place for you in heaven eternity together not because of good works not because of any title that we carry but because of Jesus Remember, the, the thief says, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? It is Jesus' kingdom. It's all about the King of Kings. All hail King Jesus, like we're about to sing. 
But what does Jesus tell the thief? Think about this. The reason crucifixion was so excruciating, it's actually where we get that word excruciating, comes from crucifixion and the cross. The reason it was so incredibly painful and the ultimate cause of death would be suffocation because they'd have to pull up on those nails to breathe. And it's hard to breathe, meaning that if it's hard to breathe, it's hard to speak. It's hard to say anything. And Jesus could have just let this thief cry out and he would have been totally still God not saying anything. But he mustered up the strength to say, today you'll be with me, not in my kingdom, you'll be with me in paradise. See, God wants us in eternity with him. God wants us in heaven with him. Jesus wants us right there. He's welcoming us with open arms to say, hey, there's a place for you. We've been waiting for you. It took every ounce of strength and hurt Jesus so much to say that. But he said it in that moment to that thief who was lost and broken and deserved what he got. But also he says it to us today. Local city church today. You can head in that new direction. You can be with me in paradise of following me and, and knowing the life that I have for you. And here's my favorite verse during Easter. Romans 5, verse 8. But God shows. Circle that word shows or underline it. But God is showing right now. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. It's not about getting everything under control. It's not about getting your life right. It's about saying right now, you know what? I've sinned, I've messed up. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I need Jesus in my life. There's more to this relationship with God. I wanna trust him and follow him to a deeper level than I ever have before. So God, would you show me more of your love because I know that right now, even though I may still be a sinner, you've died for me and given your life for me, Jesus is not far away. He is closer than you think. And if you're thankful for that, come on, give me a good amen. And let's stand to our feet today as we close. Would you stand to your feet with me?